Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 12, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 82, the second paragraph. Today's readers are Santa H., Amy G., and Martha Z. The reference number for Monday, July 11th, is 8906. That's 8906. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrines. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose, our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita J. to read the 12 steps. Anita, please press star one to unmute. I'm so sorry. I'm at the Cape. I can't find them. So I guess it is Janice M. Please forgive okay. me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Janice M., if you don't mind. Thank you. No, I'm right here. That's Okay. Yes, my name is Janice M., and I'm going to be reading the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice 
these principles in all our affairs. Tess. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Rita P. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Rita P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Arkansas. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service and I pass. Thank you so much, Rita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 82, paragraph 2. And Santa H. is going to begin reading. She's going to read two paragraphs, and we will focus our comments on the, the second paragraph she's reading, which is the third paragraph on the page. Santa H. Good morning, everyone. My name is Santa H., gratefully recovered, living in a solution one day at a time. If there is no such complication, there, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes you hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there would be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parent whom for years he has shockingly treated. 
passing all understanding is the patient mother and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no home today, would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead. Affection has been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. He feels a man is unthinking. We feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up from his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarks, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Okay. Got my timer here. Again, my name is Santa H. Briefly recovered. Um, this last paragraph here, um, it reminds me of the writers are reminding me that um, I have beautifully done the work. I've seen my part. Uh, it's a wonderful feeling when I did four and five and all the work that I have done in six and seven, and they're letting me know that that's not enough, that I must continue to move forward in this work. And where it talks about here that reflecting back from doing the work, I can clearly have seen how I was like a tornado roaring through the lives of people and all the hearts are broken in relationships that I had affected. And, and, and I love what they say here, um, the word uprooted. Yeah, I went in and tore people's lives up upside down and, and through my actions and able to see that through doing this work. But what I like here, they said, is selfish and inconsiderate habits. And so these are habits that I have to change. And these habits take work. And for me, that requires a lot of work in step six and seven that shows itself in my immense process, through my living immense process today. And then what it goes on to say that it reminds me again, again, the book has reminded me over and over again, that where it says, when we, a man, is unthinking to say sobriety is enough. So just because I'm sober, I've been abstinent, and just because life is grand and I'm feeling better and, and, and things are going well for me today, it doesn't mean that I've done enough, that I must continue doing the work. And I must continue to 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 um, heal the habit that I've done in other people's lives. And for me today, that was, those are the living amends that I make to to the people that I work with, the people that I live with, the people that, that are that I associate with in and out of program, um, that I'm always looking at my conduct and I'm always considering my, my, my behaviors and checking those selfish and considerate habits that I need to change and become loving and tolerant one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. Who would like to share on this Chrissy. second paragraph? This is Sherry. Larry. R. Melissa. Melissa. Okay. Okay. Stop. 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 Okay. Chrissy. <laughs> I heard someone in between there. Then Larry. Sherry. Tina S. Kim G. Kim G. Tina S. Kim G. Was that Katie? Was that Sherry? Sherry. Oh, Sherry. I think you were right after Chrissy, Sherry. Yes. Yep. Mel Melissa C. Lindy S. Sally? Lin Linda F. No, Lindy. Oh, Lindy. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Sally. Sally. 
A. Okay, so that's enough for right now. This is what I have. Chrissy, Sherry, Larry K, Nessa R, Tina S, Kim G, Melissa C, Lindy F, and Sally A. That is? Is that right? Do I did I say someone that I didn't shouldn't have said? That's good. Okay, good. Then we'll start in that order with Chrissy, followed by Sherry. I'm sorry, I don't know your initials. Good morning. Hi, this is Chrissy G. Recovered Compulsive Reader and Rexic from New Jersey. And I I quoted that line many times, ain't it, Graham, the wind stopped blowing. I I feel like that was the story of my early recovery. I really was so perplexed why people didn't trust me and why they didn't think I would follow through or why they had the audacity to say, you know, wow, you showed up when I showed up someplace, you know, because when I was active, you never knew what you were going to get with me. You know, if if I had um, white knuckle through a day of abstinence, I would be present and accountable for. And if I was binging the night before and overslept in the morning, I wouldn't show up. I'd be sick. So it really, you know, it, it I I remember because I was so young when I first came into a 12-step program. And I remember actually whining at a meeting like, my mother hides her purse from me, you know, and, and I used to steal money from my mother all the time. And, you know, it's because of the consequences of my behavior. I was not a functioning type of person. You know, I drank, I overate, I was bulimic. I really had a lot of addictions that were just like overlapping each other and I just was not a functioning type of person. So I I just think that that immature idea about how tolerant people should be with us after we come in, I think that it could take years to build trust back up. And it really for me, it had to it had to get off my radar and not even be relevant. It's it would just had to be about me doing the next right thing every day and not what the results were, how other people saw me, and, you know, what people said about me. It really was very, very important that I let that go because there are, there are people that will never forgive. There are people that will always see you as the addict that you were, even after years. So I am so grateful to be able to share this morning, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Chrissy G. And now, Sherry, you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Hi, this is Sherry S. from Massachusetts, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I just absolutely adore this this um, part because I can relate to it so much. Um, I had 22 years of being dry. You know, I got sober um, and I got sober and clean from, from alcohol and drugs um, many, many years ago. Um, 30 years now, and I, um, like Chrissy, was just a youngster, and um, so I thought that just putting the drink down, and um, and then a year later going to OA, putting the chicken on the scale was enough, you know, I don't drink, I'm thin, um, you know, what else, what else is there for life, I mean, it can't get any better than that, I'm not drinking, drugging, and I'm putting the chicken on the scale, and I'm wearing a size six. So I just couldn't imagine that life could get any better than that. Um, And this disease does progress. It progresses um, 
even when you're in the program working it. So I have to, like for today, I have to work extra hard because disease does want to progress in me, and it still does progress in me. So I just, I have to work extra hard. Um, I thought that just being, um, like I said, putting a chicken on the scale was enough, and it wasn't. I had broken relationships. I had a broken marriage. I lost both my parents. Um, I was really desperate when I came to this um, big book step study process. I really wanted to get into the steps because I was broken. I couldn't stay abstinent with the food. I was ready to pick up a drink. My life was in, um, my marriage was breaking down. Um, I was, I was, you know, my life was in chaos. Um, I was so, so dry. Um, Putting the plug in the jug was not enough for me, and putting the chicken on the scale was not enough for me. I needed to do more. Um, I finally came to this process, and I'll tell you, for anybody who is just starting this or um, just, you know, getting their way through it, um, you know, with, with a sponsor, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I was at my regular AA Big Book Step Study meeting last night, and um, and I was chairing, and we were on step for the fear part of the step four, and I, you know, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, and there's, and I wasn't the only member that said that. Lots of other members said that. Um, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My sobriety and my abstinence now does not even compare to the last 30 years of putting a chicken on the scale and not drinking. I was just dry. I had no relationship with God, and I had many, many broken relationships I still get into trouble today. I have to keep my nose in this book. I have to listen to Vision for You, you know, on a daily basis. I have to interact and have relationships with people in the program um, that are doing the same thing that I'm doing. I need to be around that. Um, If I'm not, I'll stray. And when I stray, I get in trouble. Um, So I'm just very, very grateful um, for this this, um, process, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, uh, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, so I read in here, uh, you know, we, we feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. And it gives, you know, th- this is, for me, it's about, hey, we better complete this process. You know, what's going to get us well is completing this process. We're in step nine here. And um, I, I remember what it was like to put the food down and, and to begin to lose some weight and, um, and all those things. And, you know, it felt pretty good. And I felt pretty uh, pink cloudish, you know. And um, the thing is, is I, I, it's, a, an, it's an admonishment to um, continue on this process and, um, and complete step nine. And, you know, I um, I remember, you know, all the damage I created, like that tornado sort of stuff that you, you know, there was a lot of damage. And, um, but I took this sort of deep breath, oh, you know, felt pretty good. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And, um, and you know, and that was fine. But until I saw this process through, and, and it's, a, it's a lifelong process too. I mean, you go through the steps formally, you complete them in sequence, there's a, a change that occurs, and, and that was my experience. A change occurred. And, you know, at some point, though, we have to continue along this process. And so I, I know for me the challenge was 
that uh, can I see this process through? I talk to people a lot of times that they, they get to step nine. And um, by the way, that's, that's not me. Uh, they, they, they complete step nine or they haven't completed step nine and they're feeling very, very uncomfortable. And, um, you know, because it's not, a, it's not necessarily an easy process, but we have to have the courage to see it through. And when we do, there's, there's a, a change that occurs. So I'm, I'm so grateful for this. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Larry. And uh, just a gentle reminder, if you're not Nessa R, to please make sure that you are muted. So we'll have Nessa R followed by Tina F. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, prior to recovery, I was definitely living my life like a tornado, roaring my way through the lives of others and, and my own. And in recovery, I can no longer live that way. And with the amends, it tells me that I also cannot make amends like a tornado roaring my way through the lives of others. Um, it further says um, selfish and inconsiderate, inconsiderate habits have kept um, the home in turmoil. So I have to put put aside my selfishness and my inconsiderate nature and think of others, especially when I, when I make amends. I cannot just be haphazard and uh, tornado-like in, in my amends process. I cannot live by self-will anymore, and I cannot make amends by self-will. And I've been thinking about this um, quite a lot in the past few days, how fortunate we are that um, we have so much experience behind us. Uh, we don't have to, um, you know, tra- uh, blaze a new trail like these guys have had to do. They had nobody to, to advise them, to tell them, you know, this is what you do, this is what you say, or, you know, perhaps even, you know, you cannot make amends to this person because you can hurt them further or, or whatever it is. But we are fortunate. We have sponsors. We have people with whom we connect in program who have had the same troubles we have had, who have done similar damage as, as we have, and we can go to them, you know, for their wisdom, for their experience. So we don't have to, like, grope in the dark or, or even worse, you know, roar, roar like a tornado as we do these amends. And we need to take, a, we need to take advantage of, of that experience, of all that knowledge, not thinking, oh, well, I know what's better. And, you know, listen, I, I'm a pro at saying I'm sorry. So, you know, I can do this on my own. Or, or probably the worst mistake is, you know, I don't even have to check in with my sponsor to see whether or not I need to make amends. So I can just... I can just go and do it by myself or make a decision by myself. You know, we need to take advantage of, of all that experience, all those eight years worth of, um, worth of knowledge that has accumulated. Um, and we are just so fortunate. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to figure it out by ourselves. Because I know when I figure things out by myself, I'm like a tornado roaring my, my way through the lives of others. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. And Tina S., you're up, followed by Kim G. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Um, grateful to be reading this this morning. Uh, you know, I, I could really relate to the previous shares uh, of um, getting sober and absent. Uh, 
quite a long time ago. And, you know, I remember initially making some of these amends um, in, a, in, a, in a way that I kind of didn't understand. I, I had blatantly caused harm, so it was, you know, easy for me to see that part of it. But over the years, you know, I certainly have an opportunity today because I, you know, I lived in Pennsylvania and I, I moved to Florida. So I left, in my opinion, left all that wreckage in PA and, and uh, I was set free down here in Florida, which is interesting in of itself. But today I have a, an opportunity to have a lot of these people back in my life in a different way, which I can really see where, you know, I was the tornado, where hearts were broken and sweet relationships were dead, you know. And um, and certainly it was unthinking that sobriety was enough because it certainly was not. You know, I had to learn to treat people differently. You know, I had to learn that it was not all about Tina, you know, that today God has enabled me with the equipment to be of service, you know, and I, and I love that, you know, the word equipped, you know, I, I tell myself over and over that I am well equipped today and that's through God's grace, you know, that, that I can be of service and, um, and what an opportunity, you know, I no longer have to be that tornado and I also like what, like what was shared, but I certainly can be, you know, I am not free from being that, you know, today, one day at a time, you know, I try to do the next right thing. I get up and I get on this meeting almost every morning, and, you know, and, and I have sponsees and I go through the big book and, you know, and I try and I call people and I try to be of service. And that's why, you know, I, I like to say that I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing because I really love what I'm getting. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, and um, Tina S. And now we have Kim G. followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. And then he remarked, don't you see anything the matter here, Ma? Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. You know, this process, we're at step nine, and we have been confronted specifically through four through nine of, of how we showed up in the world, how we affected other peoples. We can see the wreckage. We can see the chaos. And this is where we have to address it. And I have to tell you, some of the most painful stuff was not only what I did when I was eating, but when I was not eating, when I was white-knuckled, insane, crazy, abstinent only. No, no, no solution other than abstinence. And I remember specifically I was instructed with my interpersonal relationships as part of my amends to say, is there anything else I need to know? And I was absolutely heartbroken when I talked to my parents because my father admitted to me that in my late 20s I was living at home and he thought he was going to have to support me the rest of his life. You know, he told me that he used to follow me to the bathroom to see if I was throwing up. He was so angry because I would lie about my blood work because I didn't want him to know that my cholesterol was through the roof or that I was almost being put on blood pressure medication. I had to recognize, even though I didn't steal money, I stole his peace of mind and I stole his trust. You know, with my mother, what I found, it wasn't only my actions that were so damaging, it was my inactions, how I never showed up, how she constantly had to make excuses because I would buy a dress for a wedding and then three weeks later not fit in it and I wouldn't go to the wedding and she had to make all the excuses to the family again. I got to see how they were walking on eggshells. You know, who is Kim going to be today? Is she going to be, you know, totally comatose in the food? Or is she going to be white-knuckled abstinent and enraged and going crazy? You know, we often talk about, we think that, oh, alcoholics are so much worse. We just sit in our rooms and we just eat. I'm confronted with 
the wreckage once again. You know, when it comes to money, well, food doesn't cost that much. I'm not spending money on drugs or something. But I'll tell you, I had clothes in my closet from a size 20 to a size 2. What about the medicines, the surgery, the money we take away from our family because of the consequences of our disease? What about the time we've stolen? You know, you can't, we can't play with our kids because we don't fit on the equipment at the playground. Maybe the family doesn't go on vacations because we're too embarrassed to go anywhere near the beach. Maybe we can't even fly so the family can't go on vacations like that or we, we can't go to the movies with our kids because we don't fit in the chairs at the, at the theater. You know, it's so funny to me when I think about it now. In my step four, I see how I've held resentments for 20 years and I want to hold them accountable. Yet I get accident and I say, you know what, get over it. I'm accident. Get over all that stuff I did. How ironic that we do that. How hypocrisy. How crazy. And I am confronted in this paragraph about who I am and how I showed up and I am motivated to clean that up with my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Melissa C., followed by Lindy F. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, unthinking when I say sobriety or food abstinence is enough. Um, selfish and inconsiderate when my whole focus is what I do and do not put in my mouth. Um, you know, for me, this is like the definition of self centered. I mean, Really, who cares what I eat? That's just the basic, the foundation, but um, not the entire definition of recovered. And yet, this was me for so long. Every time I went on a diet or went off a diet, I held the family hostage, you know. Um, And especially, it was worse, especially when the food was put down, because then everything had to revolve around me and what I was going to eat and not eat, and how dare you eat this or expect me to go here when there's this there. Um, I think it was even worse uh, in in a sense when I wasn't eating. And, um, you know, and yet in the early part of getting abstinent, um, that kind of was important. That kind of was. I needed to do everything I could do to just put the food down and walk away from it. But we can't remain there. I couldn't remain in that state. Um, you know, for me, I'm blessed that um, I was over 300 pounds, but I still had, um, I didn't destroy this family. I still had a husband who loved me, um, although I wasn't so lovable. And um, and I still had children here. And um, today, the amends I make towards him and our children requires that, um, yes, I do everything I can do to stay recovered, to keep the food down, um, to work my program, to live the steps. But part of my amends also means that I have to work hard to keep a balance. When um, I'm in the car with my family or spending a day together, um, I can't take phone calls after phone calls. I have to kind of respect the time that I'm there with them. Um, I've got to give this family my time and my presence. Um, For so long, the food put up a barrier between myself and these people that God gave me in my life. And um, I can't let abstinence do the same thing. You know, I've got to um, keep that barrier down. And there's a gift that I give them in being physically abstinent um, and staying recovered is, yeah, I can move. I can fit in places. I have energy. We can go places that I didn't want to go before. Um, 
But this program has also made me right-sized internally. You know, I can't be this tornado that wars through the house, um, whether it's eating and ranting and raving or not eating and ranting and raving. I need to live calmly and gently. You know, that's how I show gratitude and make restitution towards my family. And I still, I have to be honest, I still struggle to keep my moodiness in check. You know, although I'm not a tornado, um, I can still kick up a big gust of wind, um, especially come downstairs in the morning and, you know, they left a mess. Their late night snacks are sort of there for me. Thank you. Um, You know, so I need to live gently, say my piece, and um, thank you with that I'll pass. Thank you so much. And Lindy F., you're up, and followed by Sally A., and then we'll open it up for more shares. Hi, this is Lindy F. from upstate New York. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we hear you great. Oh, that's great. I got a new Bluetooth. So I want to try to apply this reading to how I'm using it in my life today. And um, I think that today I'm profoundly grateful for the step um, that I, I think that like a lot of people, I came into the program many years ago because I couldn't stand what I was doing with food, and I didn't realize how that related to everything else in my life. And what a tornado I was internally and externally. And I've recently been doing another fourth and fifth step, and I, I just am grateful that it's been really profound. In, in working, addressing my anger and resentment, my sponsor said, what is that doing to me and, and for me? And then I think that doing additional eight to nine steps will show me more of what it's doing uh, to or for or against other people. I think that I think what we're all saying is that um, addressing food is necessary but not sufficient, and this is a way of life where we look at um, all the imbalanced thinking and feeling and behavior, and this is a way that I don't have to live in that today. Um, there's daily hourly um, things that come up that that I have the opportunity to be angry and resentful and pissed off about. And and previously, I didn't have any knowledge or tools, and working with steps is giving me um, specific uh, things that I can do so I I don't have to live like this. Um, when I look at, I had some, I have many fractured relationships, and I also have some really solid long-term friendships, and which I'm profoundly grateful, and and kind of have a sense of wonderment that um, people have put up with me. Um, 
So I guess today, time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, um, Lindy. And now it's uh, Sally A. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Katie. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, finally home after 11 days of traveling. And I have to tell you that, as we all probably have figured out, that um, traveling and being with family is certainly um, a powerful instigator to really understanding this paragraph. And um, I, I couldn't wait to get home last night, even though my, my third grandchild was born just yesterday at 4 o'clock. And let me say that being around so much family and so many in-laws was really um, quite a, uh, an opportunity to practice these principles in all my affairs. So when we read this paragraph, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. They're talking about the past, what's happened, the tornado that roars through my life. But when we get to this next sentence, selfish and inconsiderate habits, this is not going to go away overnight. Habits of um, being very um, impulsive about saying things, impulsive about putting my foot where it doesn't belong and not um, you know, monitoring my boundaries. These are all things that I get to practice when I'm with my family more than any other time. I'm at home and it's like, it feels like everything is just fine. Everything is great. But put me with my family and their in-laws and whoa, incredible opportunities. And so I wanted to just bring out here, highlight here for you, we see at the bottom of 82, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. And before I go any farther, let, let me ask you to take a look at the top of 87, the third line down, where it says, being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. And what they're telling me is, Sally, don't, don't lose heart. Yes, you're going to still put your foot in your mouth. And yes, you're going to still not keep healthy boundaries. Because for goodness sakes, you know, for 51 years of your life, you had no boundaries. And you didn't monitor what came out of your mouth. You didn't even monitor what into your mouth. So now you're monitoring what comes in and what goes out of that mouth that's gotten me in more trouble than any other part of my body ever will get me in trouble. And here we are again at 82 at the bottom. We feel that a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. It's not enough to be a dry drunk the rest of my life. I've got to do 10 steps. It's not an easy thing to step away from the crowd of people and go find somebody and say, I've got to do a 10 step. I, can't, I cannot go another minute without doing a 10 step. He's like the farmer who came out of the cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. And truthfully, for me, my home was ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing? Yeah, it, it stopped blowing inside of us. But meanwhile, there's this, all this wreckage and damage around Time. Thank you. And let me just close with the sentence. And therefore, we have to keep going. It's, it's a life, a lifestyle. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. And I'm going to share for my three minutes and then we'll open it up for more shares. My name is Katie F. I'm a compulsive overeater, uh, recovered in Virginia. And 
I just, I loved all the shares this morning. Um, and I, I just have to say that I didn't think, um, as someone alluded to, that it could be um, any better than it was when I just um, had the food down, I'd lost my weight, um, and things were, you know, a little better. And I was not creating more wreckage. But um, as more and more things came into my life, I found that I had to really dig into these steps even more, that this program isn't something that, um, you know, just becomes less and less a part of my life. It continues to be more and more a part of my life, while at the same time wearing it as a loose garment, that it's not, um, you know, it's not about the perfect um, just, you know, body size and perfect everything. Um, it's about waking up in the morning and not feeling like there was a tornado the night before and what damage did I leave and, uh-oh, what do I have to do today? Um, you know, I have little, uh, little things go on with my family. I have teenagers. I have a husband and I have a job and I have coworkers and I have traffic and everything else that can, um, I have aging parents, elderly parents, very old parents. Um, I have sisters and in-laws and all these different dynamics that can, um, can poke me, can poke me and I can be the tiger uh, sometimes. It's like, why did you poke me? And I react in a way that I am not proud of. But these steps and this process helps me to look back at this and say, uh, don't see anything the matter here. Yes, there is something the matter here, Katie. You need to go back and you need to apologize for the way you spoke to your daughter. Or you need to apologize for the way you cut your mother off. Or whatever it is. Um, we don't just do this one time and then have it down and we, you know, never have to look back. It's, it's not that way. And I'm so grateful that we're all here every day studying this stuff and don't have to sneak off into the corner and go back to that thick shadowy world where we feel like we are the worst person in the world. No one else thinks this way. No one else does this. Uh, we do. I don't care if you have a, a week, a month, a decade, or 50 years in this program, we are still people who can make mistakes. And this process helps us to not continue to do that. Um, one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. And who else would like to share on um, Charles this H. paragraph? This is Bella from Boston. Catherine okay. Okay. okay, okay, stop, please. Charles H., uh, Bella G., Judy F., Katie, Katie G., um, and Catherine and, F. Okay, I think we have one, two, three, and there's... I think we only have time for Charles H., Bella G., and Katie G., and Judy F., we'll try to get you in if uh, time allows, okay? And thank you, everyone else who um, tried to jump in there. Thank you, Kate. Uh, Oops. We will have the second unrecorded hour. Okay, Charles H., you're up, followed by Bella G. Thank you, Katie F., Charles H., thank you for your service. Charles H., you're recovered from over here, and I'm going to leave a, a, a minute on the clock. Just thank you for your service, for consideration for others, because. Um, People ain't going to fin to have a, a ticket tape parade because, I, I, you know, I'm abstinent. I, I'm pretty sure. And newsflash, Charles, it's just, just for me, if I'm breathing, I need a 10-step. 
um, every single day. Uh, so um, how vain of me to talk about, oh, in it grand, the wind stopped blowing. If I am breathing today at this psychological moment, which I happen to be, I, um, there, there's still a tornado going around. And I have that hopeless, hopeless desperate mentality every single day because there is still some stuff that i got to clean up. And 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 um, and I'm just so grateful. That's what I got, and I want to hear some other people. That's that's about. It's about love. Every single day, I should continue, and that's all I need to say this morning. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Charles. And so uh, now we'll have Bella G followed by Katie G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stop blowing? Wow. Thank you very much, everybody, for your shares. That's, they are really beautiful. And, yes, thank you, God, by leaving the steps one day at a time. It really gives me the tools to live in freedom. And, yes, to live in freedom is not for free. And I don't know what about you, but me as a compulsive overeater, the sobriety is not enough. I have to learn, to learn how to accept myself that I am not perfect, I will never be perfect, and yes, I have to work on my personality to give and to get at the same time. And, you know... Yes, I learned to accept myself and to work on myself and to know that, you know, I did mistakes and to say, oh, I'm sorry, it's not enough. By leaving the steps, I have the tools to, you know, to to have the opportunity to learn what is more important and what is less important. And yes, me as a compulsive overeater, it's not enough only to be careful of the food. Yes, I have to change my thinking to be able to change my behavior that I shouldn't run again and again and again to the food. And yes, I have to make those amends because those amends, it's not only, oh, I'm sorry, because for sure I will do it again. To make the amends, it's to work on the root of the problem. And you know, you know, to take responsibility and to work on myself and, you know, to work on myself one day, one day at a time and sometimes one moment at a time, not to, to, to do those mistakes again by changing my way of thinking, by changing my behavior, by changing my, my trust of myself, the trust of other people, the way of thinking. And this is the main thing for me, to live in freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Okay, Katie G, up. I'm sorry, Katie G, you're up, and then we'll have Judy up. Hey, Katie F, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Reader, Anorexic and Bulimic. Starting my timer, I just wanted to um, chime in. Um, 
man, this process has carried me really far, guys. You know, in my adult life, it is important to acknowledge that I have been 228 pounds and I've been in 110 pounds, but that hasn't been the problem, right? That's the, the symptom of a deep hole in my soul that spent a very long time looking for food and hostages and money and men and jobs and everything to fill me up. And um, I want to just offer the hope that, you know, 12 years ago when I walked into these rooms, I was a mess, you know, like I have, um, there's a woman who knows me and I used to drive from Western Mass to Eastern Mass um, with a partner that I had no business being with. And, um, you know, engaging in bulimia and anybody who knew me, like I was just a total mess. I couldn't put the food down. It was craziness, you know, and I came into the, these rooms and you guys, I didn't even know that it wasn't appropriate to speak with people the way I spoke, right? And um, spent a lot of times in these rooms, um, just going to meetings and raging at people, um, you know, and a couple weeks, a couple months ago, my fiance said to me, um, I, I yelled at him and he said to me, we don't yell. Like, that's really surprising. So I'm not that woman today, you know, and um, a friend of mine in program said, yeah, you know, after the first time you did the steps, like you became approachable, you know, so I'm not in these rooms because I know how to have relationships, you know, of course the relationships are dead. I've, I've killed them. And for me, what I'm finding is that recovery is just this ongoing process of uncovering discovering and discarding the continued areas that I fall short in every day. And for me to keep going, the hope is, you know, that God does change me, like little by slow, God changes me a little bit. He eases the tension. And um, what this process does for me is it helps me realize, like, the abstinence, that's my responsibility, you know, it's, it, and nobody's doing a ticker tape parade because KDG from Boston isn't 228 or isn't exercising bulimically, you know, and the steps get me to where everybody else functions today, you know, and, um, and I don't have to get to the point of complete destruction of relationships in order to realize, hey, there's an issue. And like all of my, my fellow visionaries have spoken this morning, there's a solution and it's not for relief, guys. The solution is for freedom. So I'll just close by saying it's like hand over heart. Okay, if I'm engaging in this, in this behavior, what, what, how can I get God back so that I don't do it again? How can I truly amend the behavior? How can I truly change? I'm going to keep showing up one more day and recognize that this is a full-time, full-heart program, and I'm going to keep doing it for one more day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Um, Judy F., you're up. Hi, Katie F. This is uh, Judy F. Can you hear me? Yes. Great, great. Thank you for calling on me. Uh, Judy F., uh, compulsive reader, recovered from Massachusetts. And this, um, whoops, I'm going to just set my timer. Um, speak to this paragraph about denial. Uh, boy, it speaks loud to me. Um, I was in such denial before I, I hit a bottom and really saw that I was powerless and um, in self-reliance, I, I ended up, you know, just being 60 pounds overweight, no job, no relationships, and then um, came into the program, worked the steps, um, and 
uh, I thought, okay, great. Now I'm going to have this wonderful life and um, everyone, you know, is so happy that, you know, Judy's not depressed, Judy's not overweight, Judy's not needy and um, worried about Judy. But as I went through um, doing steps um, over and over in the different books that OA offers, I got away from the message of um, that real step 10 looking at my side of the street and and really looking at my selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and um, fear daily. And I was not doing um, step 10s or 11-step reviews. And I was believing in God and I was doing the steps um, superficially and I never saw a lot of amends that I needed to make that would have humbled me. And so we're here now in step nine, and I'm so grateful for the big book and the way it's laid out um, and the way the step four is laid out and those questions, where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid? And then continuing that in step 10. And because I did it thoroughly with a recovered sponsor. I could finally break through the denial on the habit I did um, do in in my relation in certain relationships, and where yes, they did a lot, but I had my part. And it wasn't until I made those amends that I really had freedom and that personality change. And I'm so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. So we have time for one more share, and I just apologize. I know there was a lot of names that jumped out there, and I, I didn't hear them all distinctly. So if there's someone, one last burning desire, we can take that. Okay. Leah M. Well, Leah M., go ahead, please. Thank you Amy so much. G. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I would have liked to have heard Amy. Um, thank you. Thanks for your service. I mean, I've always loved this paragraph. I love the way it's written, um, you know, and the sarcasm there. Don't see anything the matter here, my ain't the wind, the, ain't it grand, the wind stopped blowing. Um, you know, I, I had to remember that, uh, you know, it was a fact that my behavior when I was compulsively overeating aggravated the defects of other people, um, and strain the the patience of people, certainly, and brought out the worst in other people. And, of course, even when abstinent, that kind of dynamic occurred as well. Um, I think this paragraph makes it clear that you can be abstinent but not recovered, uh, but you can't be recovered and not abstinent. So the program of recovery, um, you know, allowed this step work um, so that there was a transformation that took me from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Because in active disease, um, yes, I was emotionally detached. There were times when I was angry. There were times when I was raging, sullen, depressed, withdrawn, revengeful, uh, rageful. Um, you know, it says in the text, this disease engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. So the problem was me. The program of recovery allows for a transformation, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Abstinence wasn't enough. The monkey may have been off my back, but the circus was still in town. The program of recovery allowed for 
um, me to be governed by something else besides um, my wishes, my specifications, and my demands out of what I wanted out of life. The program of recovery gave me a relationship with a power greater than myself that governed my behavior, governed my attitudes, my ideas, and my emotions so that um, there, instead of, of the negativity and the criticism that would come out of my mouth, um, love began to uh, come out and, and, and a light began to uh, shine on these relationships. And, of course, that light emanated from a relationship with a power greater than myself uh, that restored me to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you, especially Janice M., Rita P., Santa H., and Amy G., and Martha Z. for being available. Um, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Amy G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure can. Thanks for an awesome meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.